listening to The Currency Podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and I'm thrilled to have you along. Today, we've got a special episode because we're going to be talking to what I would call as a serial entrepreneur, someone that's been in business for 25 years, but he's recently, over the last couple of years, started up a new design agency. It's called Force PKG. Now, this guest has worked with clients like Hershey, Pfizer, Gore and Zippo, some big names. He's been featured in Fast Company. He's won a handful of awards in the design world. He's an author and an expert on packaging. I'd like you to please welcome Tom Newmaster. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to have you. Thanks for taking some time, Tom. I'm glad to have you along. I, I'm excited for the audience. I think you're going to have a lot to offer. And one of the reasons, uh, the few times that we've interacted. I've always been impressed with the kinds of questions you ask. I think you're an excellent question asker. And so I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing a little bit about your journey and asking you some questions. Do me a favor for the folks that have never heard of Forrest. It's a newer company. I know you're making some waves in the packaging industry, the consumer goods industries. But do me a favor and just explain to the audience what Forrest is, what you guys do, and, and who you do it for. Well, we like to refer to Force as like a new branding concept, um, but I guess it's not really all that new, but we kind of have a focus on the mobility aspect and the fact that we're just, I, I would like to refer to us as better collaborators. Um, you know, the whole, the whole system, the whole um, server, where our files are, everything about us is, is based on the mobility aspect. So we can go and work work from a cafe we can work in the studio we can go work with the client uh, we actually have a, a mobile unit that's currently in the process of being being wrapped that we could take the design studio to the client when it when it makes sense um, and you know that's just kind of one of those things where it's you know it's all about building relationships so you guys do package design solely I know you do some branding as well but like what like day-to-day projects what do those typically look like well, I mean, right now the mix is, I would say, just about 50-50 point-of-purchase design, um, you know, anything from a corrugated display to you know, permanent signage, and then lots and lots of packaging. And, and a lot of our clients are the type that don't have huge advertising budgets, so many times the packaging is the only thing they got. So okay. you know, that packaging and branding is really, really important. It has to work really hard on shelf. Correct. Yeah. Cool. How, how big is your team right now? Because you, you guys started in 2017, is that right? Correct. Right. Yeah. I had I had sold my my previous um, design firm. Uh, you know, at least I sold my shares back to the the other partners. You know, and I was in that business for 20 years. Um, and then we pretty much you know started over. You know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Was I going to go work for somebody else? Was I going to start a new um, agency? And you know that whole entrepreneur aspect of how some of us uh, are kind of wired, right? Um, I'm like, I don't know if I can work for anybody else. So, you know, we kind of started over and thought we're going to just do it, do it different this time. And um, so, yeah, we've been pretty much in operation for two years since early 2017. Um, And it's been a wild and crazy ride. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, you know, I have a core group of people here that, were with me on the, you know, dining room table. And we pretty much worked on that dining room table for almost, you know, six months. Wow. Eight months maybe. Yeah. Um, renovated a studio in in the home thinking, hey, that's where we're going to be for a while. And, you know, two years later, we have a new studio space in a historic building in downtown Lancaster. And 
you know, it's it's moving a lot faster than I than I thought it would, sure. which is which is all fine. You know, I'm I'm not complaining about any of that, but you know, when you when you look back over it, or like you know, thinking about talking to to you today, it's like you know, wow, if somebody would have told me this is how it would be two years in, I would have just I would not have believed it. So, so you're surprised. So you've been 20 year veteran, you know, running another agency with some partners. So you, you, this isn't new to you, but it sounds like your expectations for this new venture were were more conservative. What, what, um, what do you attribute the? I don't want to say explosive growth. I don't want to, you know, but what do you what do you attribute this kind of quick and uh, growth to? Well, you know, jokingly, you know, we always said, you know, relationships are are number one. Sure. Um, and that's probably applies to any business, but I think in our business, and I'm sure you know this, right? The relationships are really, really key. And you know, I always knew they were important, but this whole new venture has really proven to me, you know, that they're probably even more important than I actually, you know, realized. Sure. Yeah, I. It's funny that you say relationships. When I was a young guy, I, I'm not much of a. I've always been really good at sales. I've always been an entrepreneur. So you would just presume that I, I'm like, I love networking. I love being at parties. I love talking to people. Like I love selling. I love business development. I love entrepreneurship. But when I'm not working, like I want to be left. I don't want to deal with people. I don't like going to network events. I don't like going out a lot. Like I might go have a drink with a buddy, but I'm not big on social activities. And so when I first got into business, I was kind of like, I didn't like the, I shouldn't say I didn't like the people aspect, but I didn't think of it as relationships. I thought of it as being smart and hard work. And as I've gotten older, I've realized exactly what you said. It's, it's about people. That's what business is. Business is people coming together to do something that they couldn't do on their own. That's powerful. Yeah. My, yeah, my um, first boss, you know, he used to, he used to say things like, uh, you know, the, the, the people are, are, are key to the business, but you know, this would be easy if it wasn't for the people. Yeah, you know, that's because, right. Because the, the people are so important that you know it, it, it kind of complicates it. Yeah. You know, and I've and I and I've often said, you know, um, the the design aspect of it is the easy part. And I know I'd probably get some pushback from some people, but you know, you kind of get to a certain level. You have an expertise, sure. Yeah, and I, I don't want to sound like a, I'm, I'm bragging, but I, I think it's. I, I think it's you too. I mean, the expectation is great design. So what do you give me beyond that? You know, and I think if you're just out there selling design, then that's parody. That's not differentiation. So that's right. You know, what do you what do you bring bring to the table? And I I don't know. I just sometimes I just I just feel like I want to be a part of your your company. You know, I want to be a part of that team. And you know, depending on the consumer products company, you know, they kind of keep you at arms arms length. Okay, and others just like welcome you, and I and I and I think over over the years, I think me personally, if they don't welcome me and make me feel like I'm part of the team, I, I just I don't know. It doesn't feel like a good good fit. How do you? I, I want to at some point go back to kind of your origin, like how you got into business. But I, this is an interesting path uh, that you you've kind of opened up here. I, and the reason I say that is when I was younger, it was like you're desperate for business, so you kind of just. I'll take any, you know, I'll work with anybody. I mean, you know, not really, but you work with anybody. And I found as I got older, I got more selective. How do you balance that having that maturity as an entrepreneur saying, I'm looking for these people that want to have good relationships because I can do better work for them. But on the other hand, you just started up a new firm. How do you balance that right now? I mean, is that a challenge? 
Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I've I've had a couple fairly large companies reach out to me and you know, myself and, you know, my my other business partner and some of, and some of the other people here. You know, I actually I I'll, I'll actually say to you, are you sure we want to want to do this because you know, depending on on the company, and I won't mention any any names, um, but the, the the larger the larger consumer products companies, they they can consume you. And oh yeah. And, yeah, and it's not that they do it on purpose, but if you if you do what you say, right? If you do the good work, you're good at what you do. Strong, yeah, yeah, you you know how to listen. You ask better questions. We kind of say that um, every day here. But you know, if if you do that, they just give you more work, and it just grows organically. And before you know it. You know they can they can almost change your company if you're if you're not careful and and that could be a good thing you know but that could be a bad thing too. Do you have a do you have a ruling like uh, you know I used to run a design agency we we did some packaging but you know we're just overlapping kind of disciplines here. Uh, I'm not a designer though, whereas you are trained as a designer. But um, do you have a rule like percentage wise? Like I never want to client to become so much percentage of my business or do you just take whatever you can and not worry about it? Well, I, I guess, I guess some folks are kind of concerned about that, but I, I came from a business that, that, that when we bought the, the old business, I mean, we were, we were 98% with, with one particular client. Wow. That's which I know. Right. And when, and when, and when you go to the, go to the bank to borrow the money to buy that business, they just look at you across the table, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Right. But then, but then you kind of explain, Hey, this, this client is very large. We deal with 40 to 60 people within right. this company okay. at any given time. There's a lot of different brands. We kind of view them as individual companies. They kind of function independently, you know, and when, when you explain it, you can kind of explain it away, but you know, then when you walk away from the table, you're like, wow, we need to, we need to balance this. So, so I know you can kind of make that lopsided thing work, yeah. but I don't know me me personally and professionally I like a mix so yeah. it's yep. probably more about it's it's probably more of a selfish reason to balance the business than it is probably a business reason there's creative right I mean there's a creative yeah. excitement when you get to pick up new work fresh ideas fresh challenges different people and that's one of right. the, one know, of the differences between working in house and uh, for a brand versus being an agency an agency you get to work on 50 different brands Right, and that's and that's kind of a, a selling point of being an, an outside design firm and not in in house, you know, and and, and businesses, it, it, it's kind of they go in cycles and 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 waves. Like they pull stuff in house, and then that in house department becomes kind of you know um, fat from a from a cost standpoint, um, and maybe a, a little stale, you know, if if they're not really good at keeping it fresh, and then they kind of phase that out and shut it down, and they go outside, and then they come back. See, we kind of just ride ride those waves. Sure. Um, but yeah, I I think I think the being outside and having the variety is what makes it stronger because you know category experience is important, you know. But I don't think it's it's everything. I'm not even sure category experience is 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 fifty percent of why you should choose a design firm because. I know often, you know, we're we're bringing insights and packaging ideas and branding thoughts and and research information from other categories, you know, to sure. influence and affect um, a particular category. So, and just just for folks that are not in the marketing slash uh, design retail 
consumer world. What, when you say category, just define what you mean by that. Well, like you know, you could have a, a client in, in in the automotive category. You know, they could make detailing products or, or car care products, or you could have a, a company that's in the household whole cleaners or you know confectionery, like someone like a a, a Hershey or an M M&M and M Mars. So you know, many many times we're, we're we're bringing you know packaging structures from. Hey, we we saw this over in frozen food, for example. Right. This might work here in automotive. Now that's a crazy example, but. You know, sometimes there's there's something there, you know, that they just didn't sure. just didn't think about. And and if you don't have that category mix or that blend on your side, you don't even see that. You know, if you're right. just focused in your in your in your category. So what you're saying is just essentially that that agencies, designers, they get experience in certain categories. So I'm an I'm I've done a lot of let's say frozen foods. In fact, my agency we used to work for Bird's Eye Foods, so we did a lot of fresh and frozen for Bird's Eye. Right, right. So then you're able to go to Green Giant and these other guys in the same category and say, hey, we, and they're looking for design groups that have category experience. Your argument is it's more interesting sometimes to bring somebody that's got other category experiences because they can kind of cross pollinate. Uh, take ideas that might be analogous, but but in different categories, and and you're going to have more creative uh, solutions potentially because you're bringing in information from other categories. Right, and and I I think there's still something to be said for that category experience, but I don't think it's the whole decision making because sure. I I don't know I've seen you know even with some of the clients I have had really good relationships with somebody comes in. You know, and 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 then you know, I contradict myself and go, "Why are they here? Why are we competing with them? Because they don't have any category experience." But then you see what what they did, and you're like, "Okay, right, there you they, go, yeah." You know, so it's like, okay, you know, practice what 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 you preach. But you know, it's it's just a it's an interesting yeah. concept. I mean, category experience is important, you know, because there's just there's some little things that you just pick up on over. Over over time, but like like I said before, but I you can be bound by it too if if that's all you do. Well, right, and, and you know, there's conflict of interest issues. You know, yeah. if 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 you do work for, I don't know Hershey, you probably can't do work for M M&M and Mars, right? So you can't not at so the same time, have, <laughs> right? Right. So 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 like sometimes consumer products companies, you know, say they want the category experience, but they don't want you to have it right now, you know, because they don't want you working for them and yeah. they're competitor so it's it's kind of like well how can i how can i have category experience if i can't work for other people you know so it's i had a weird you know to that point i had a i told said we did work for bird's eye foods at the time a lot of packaging work and some interesting things but i reached out to like a local i think these folks they were a processor they did things like um beans and just different agriculture stuff you know they 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 were a canner you know they can all the stuff so i reached out to them and said hey Got this bird's eye experience. I'd love to help you. And the and the marketing director said, "You've worked for Bird's Eye. If you'd worked for Bird's Eye, then I would never hire you guys." And I was like, "Whoa!" Like I'd never expected. You know, usually it's like, "Oh, cool." You know, I'm all set. But he was actually hostile that we had worked for one of his competitors, and I'd never experienced that. Usually, people loved it. It's like, "Oh, I want to learn." You know. I'm going to hire you because I want to pick your brain. Like, what does my competitor do? How they do it? Not that we would share that stuff, but I think sometimes that's a motivation. Well, well, right. You know, and 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 almost every one of those relationships with a established brand, you have some type of non-disclosure agreement. Oh, anyway. absolutely. So you, yeah. so, so, you can't so share you, trade secrets. No. Right, but there's just knowledge that's in the back of your head that's influencing and affecting what you what you do for that client. So. You know, you can't you can't share specifics, but it's affecting what yeah. what you do. I mean, I 
we had a client in the in, in the confectionery space who and this was and this was years ago um but they loved the fact that we worked for their main competitor and then right. a very large brand like Hershey because they they took the aspect of listen I know you're not going to share anything because they you know there's this whole trust you know issue yeah. and so so they trusted the fact that we wouldn't share what they were doing and we weren't going to share what, what what they were doing but then they also understood that you know we were not going to give them something that looked like the other two companies ah yep right because you just because you knew they aligned so intimately it's like well we can't yeah Right. Whereas someone so, fresh might by accident say, well, this kind of looks like Hershey. I didn't mean it to, but it does. Correct. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a good insight, Tom. Now, you know, there's, you know, then obviously then there's, you know, an, another company. It's like, well, if you work for them, you can't work for us. No exceptions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I also un, un, understand that, you know? Um, yeah. I think for this person, I, I don't even remember his name. I, I think it was, it was so... Um, he was so vehement. There had to be a deeper story. I don't know if he personally got burned by them or, you know, what the problem was. But um, or, or or he was a former employee. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. And it's like I'll be gosh darned if I ever, you know, it was weird. But um, so let's let's back up a little bit. I want to hear, and I think I can infer from a comment you made talking about going to the bank to buy the business. But tell me how you originally get, originally got your start in entrepreneurship. How did you get into your first business, and what was that like? Well, you know, going all all the way back to like art school, you know, the, the the idea was to someday have your own agency, right? That's every designer's dream, right? So, you know, I started with a company, was doing a lot of illustration, a lot of, a lot of design. Um, actually, the first company I worked for, we did a lot of work work for Hershey, um, and. You know, there there was there was talk there of hey someday I'm going to turn this over to the employee. So it, it kind of you know tethered me there okay. because I always wanted this, you know, to kind of do my own thing. I mean, I I had been freelancing, but I was very careful to keep it um, a non competitive situation. You know, and I was always open about it with with my boss at that time. Um, hey, I'm just doing t-shirt stuff, helping people. You know, I would I would screen print on the side because I always loved the, the the production side and understanding how you know how the ink went on the paper, so to speak. Sure. And then an opportunity, you know, came up um, really with a direct competitor. It was almost like I was working for Ford and Chevy called. Um, wow. And I got, you know, basically told like, hey, I'm looking at turning this company over to the employees in a couple years. I think you'd be a good fit. I've heard about you, which at the time I was like, how'd you hear about me? You know, nobody knows who I am. <laughs> um, but so I was like, okay. So you know, talk talk to my wife and said, you know, hey, I I don't know how much of the business is going to be available, but a a little piece is better than no piece, right? If this is really what I want, this is the opportunity because I, at the time I thought where I was wasn't going to turn in, into anything. There were some family things going on, um, so I made that jump, and it was and it was really scary because it was. You know, I was I was driving over an hour to this new company. Um, had our first child on on the way, so I mean, um, it it was really interesting because it was it wasn't like I was buying the company right away. I was going there as an employee with the idea that this buyout sure. or this and that's you know potential would happen. That's pretty common. I've found uh, with design agencies, creative companies often will sell like to the next generation of people working there. There's usually a, a couple folks 
that the owner identifies as management ownership material and they kind of groom them over time. Is that, is that what you've noticed as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it kind of seems that way. And, you know, and even though the industry we're in, um, and this probably relates to any industry really, is big, it's kind of small. Like there's always this just, you know, once you get to a certain level, there's just, you know, a network of people. And it, at some point in time, I think in a professional career, you kind of turn around and you go, wait, everybody knows everybody. Like, yeah. how did this happen? Very fraternal. <laughs> yeah, right. So how did the discussion happen where the owner, did you go to the owner eventually and say, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested. Or did the owner come to you and, and your former partners? Like, what did that, how did that happen? Um, well, when I got, I like to say I got lured away. Um, it was actually, uh, there was a conversation with another employee at the firm at the time. And that person did not want to leave but said, hey, I think Tom would be a good fit. So I, I almost think a fellow employee recommended me, you know. Um, but then once 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 I was there, it was basically six months to a year. Um, it was basically the company was offered to all the employees. And I believe it was 18 employees at, at the time. Okay, wow. And, and, you know, kind of in, inside baseball, you know, I, I pretty much – looked at my wife and said, if it's 18 people at the end, I'm out because that was going to be a mess. Yeah, that's a, that's um, a multi-headed monster. Right. It, it, it ended up being four and four was a comfortable number. But, you know, you know, if you start a business, you, you had an agency, it was, it was pretty much putting everything on, on, on the line. Sure. We had, we had our home, we had to put on, on the line to guarantee the money. You know, we were, well, it's a big you deal. Know. I don't know about Pennsylvania, but New York, where I am, um, anything I think over 18%, you're on the hook. So if you're an owner, but you're like a 5% owner and the company goes under, they, the courts treat you like an employee. They don't take away, they don't take money. They just go, you know, yeah, you had some equity, but you don't owe anything. But the partners that have a percentage of 18% or more, they're on the hook. If things go bad, it's them. And so you're at 25%, you know, if you guys went even. Uh, you're, yeah, right. you're on the hook. This is real. Well, yeah. And then the thing is, you know, even if you're not, it's, it's what you're doing. So you're, you know, financially, emotionally, you know, you're definitely on, on the hook, you know? Um, yeah. So there was, there was four of us and then, you know, a couple years later we bought a partner out. So then, it, then, it, then it was three and, you know, it was, it was, it was doing great through the whole, Nine nine eleven, you know, economic blip. Then the whole economic downturn, and you yeah. know, that two thousand seven to two thousand nine. Um, so there's a little bit of bit of down downsizing there, but but for the most part, it was it was it was great. But you know, it, it just got got to the point where I was like, I I, I think there's stuff I want to do, or I want to do more. I don't know if it was just. You're ready for it wasn't a necessarily money. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it wasn't money. You know, so it wasn't like a. I was driven by some some kind of a greed. It was just, you know, I kind of thought there might be a better way to do it or or a different way to do it. And you know, just sometimes, you know, nothing against my my former partners, but not everybody has the same ideas or they're open to the same amount of risk. So I was just like, you know what, I should I should probably, I should probably move on. And then, you know, and then I'm like, do I want to rebuild this machine, right, to do the work? So I was like, I'll offer to buy them. And if they say no, I'll, 
I'll just I'll just bow out. You know what I mean? Because it it wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to me. So if I just get out, then hopefully long term everybody will be happy. Sure. Right? Well, I mean, you 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 opened the the program talking about relationships and relationships change over time. And, the, and a lot of folks that are not in business or maybe are don't have partners don't realize like the partnership relationship can be really tough. And you can start out like four young people, everything's the same. You guys start getting married, having kids, buying houses, all, you know, things ch- like people change over time. And maybe what I, let's say you and I are partners. I, I, I don't know anything about your partners or your previous company, but let's say you were partners. What we both agreed on at 28 years old we may not agree on it at 38 years old. We might fight over uh, at 48 years old. So at some point, you, it sounds like you got to the point where you're like, hey, I think I've just changed and I, I want to free these guys up to do what they believe they should do and I want to get freed up to do what I want to do. I, is, that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. And I think, you know, now I look back, it's like, it's like another marriage. Yeah. But it's, but it, but it's a simultaneous marriage. Which I know is is legal is illegal in most states, right? But 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 you know, I just I just don't you know when you when you look back, it's like wow, I had four business partners, so that was like four marriages, and then I had my own you know wife and marriage. Right. So you know, you're, it's almost like you're dealing with with five marriages, and that may be a good example or a bad well, example. I, well, I try to um, keep but, the show PG, but I had an accountant when I was young young business guy tell me Mike. Or he used to call me Michael. Michael, he said, uh, having partners is not great. Because he had a partner in his business, I think it was giving him a little bit of agita. But he's like, here's the thing. You get all the headaches, all the fights, all the disagreements, all the stress of a marriage, but you get none of the sex. <laughs> right. But, 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 but that is so it true. Is. I mean, maybe you could work that out, but it, for the most part, I haven't been able to pull that off in my career. I don't know that I want to mix those things anyway. <laughs> right. But, but, you, but you know what else? I mean, I go back to my, my very first em, employer. He had, he had had an agency before and then started this agency. And you know, he would always impart these bizarre um, words of wisdom that would just sound like stuff my <laughs> – dad would aphorisms, say aphorisms yeah um, yeah um but but he would he would always say you know never when you're in business never have it be three people because because somebody's always the odd man out and 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 then feelings get hurt right and then and then sometimes two people pair up and then you're the odd man out all all the time um and you know it doesn't even matter shares ne- necessarily because if if you have, you know, thirty-seven and a half percent in the company, somebody else is thirty-seven and a half, and then the third guy is twenty-five, you think you have more shares or more ownership percentage, that so you have more more power. But the power position is in the twenty-five percent shareholder because they can be, you know, if 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 the two, we'll say, majority shareholders, not really majority, but the, the two people that own more, it doesn't matter because if if there's a disagreement, the tiebreaker can go to the you know, lowest ownership mm, percentage, mm. you know, so, and, you know, and I, I think that happened to me a, a, a little bit, you know, so, and, you know, and it's, it's funny, the only reason why I was going back to, to even tell this story was, you know, he told me that 20 years before, and then the next thing you know, right, I'm in this 20-year business, we had four shareholders, we bought one out, and 20 years later, and now there's three and of your us. your father's words like, are ringing in your mind. Yeah, right. It was like, you know, 
wow, this is actually what is what is happening, and it's and it's and it's fine when it errors in your favor, right? But I'm like, man, I don't know, because <laughs> because then you start playing playing the game, you know. I I need to convince somebody else to vote my way, hmm. you know, and I I just did not like like doing that, and I just I don't know. Guys, my guest today is Tom Newmaster. Tom is the co-founder of Force PKG. Stick around. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to get back. I've got a question for Tom that uh, I'm dying to ask about the balance between being a creative and running a business. So stick around. Hey, folks, thanks for joining me in this episode of The Currency. We're going to get right back to today's guest. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and invite you, if you have not done so already, to subscribe to The Currency. I interview entrepreneurs and business thought leaders, and I publish once a week. And I do that to get below the surface. I want to hear about their hard-won lessons through their greatest victories and their toughest defeats in order that you and I can be inspired, encouraged, and informed for our journey as entrepreneurs. So if you haven't, please take a moment, hit that subscribe button. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher Radio, anywhere really that fine podcasts are provided. So please take a moment and subscribe and join this wonderful, growing community. Now, let's get back to today's show. And we're back. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and we are with Tom Newmaster, the co-founder of Force PKG. If you want to look Force up, do me a favor. You can check them out a couple places. You can find them online at forcepkg.com. That's F-O-R-C-E-P-K-G.com. And you can also find them on Instagram at Force PKG, Facebook, Force PKG. Anywhere fine social medias are happening, just look for Force PKG and you'll find them. Take it. Take a look. They've got some great work online. I think you really enjoy what they're putting out there. So, Tom, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. All right. So, I kind of tease this. I want to ask a question. You know, having run a design firm myself, but not being a designer, I, I, I see a lot of design firms, and it's rare to see a designer that's both creative, you know, a design person truly, and also an entrepreneur. I mean, I often see designers, I employ designers that were fantastic thinkers, fantastic problem solvers, but the thought of like owning a business would give them a rash. They wanted to be noted, they maybe wanted to freelance, but to have employees to do things like 401k, payroll, all that kind of stuff, have to go out and sell, find new business, not that exciting to them. So what, uh, tell me a little bit, how do you balance those two? Because you're really talented in both both, uh, arenas. How do you do both? You know what? I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I've I've figured either one out. But no. I mean, I. You know, when we, when I bought the first agency, you know, I would say I didn't know anything about business, although I had been kind of kind of freelancing. But you know, I. It's just. You know, learned it as you as you go, you know, I don't, and that's probably not necessarily good. And, and maybe, you know, I'm kind of blessed because, you know, the company was somewhat established and, you know, it had, it offered me the opportunity to kind of learn business mm-hmm. while I was, you know, doing, doing the work. So I don't know if that's necessarily the, the best way to, way to do it, but, you know, you had mentioned people earlier, you know, it's really surrounding yourself with, with the best people, whether it be 
someone to help you on the business side or just a really good art director or a designer to offset, you know, and take on some of the burden of the design so you can do business stuff. Sure. Um, but I, I think it's just an, an evolution and I'm, and I'm not a person that, that sits still and I'm kind of impatient. So, you know, if you look at my career, it was illustrator, designer, art director, you know, sales, new business guy, owner. So it's like, I don't know if, I think I'm still trying to figure out what I'm really, really good at. That's why I keep kind of changing jobs. But um, Well, when a client project comes in, you get a big project, what aspect of that project do you tend to gravitate towards? Because in a big project, there's strategy, there's research, there's execution, there's account management, and there's just so many moving parts. Where do you tend to find yourself? Well, to a fault, I try and do it all, and that's not necessarily the best, but I, I – I think where I want to be is is like building those relationships with that with that client. You know, I like I kind of like to be the guy ask asking those questions, right? Like listening and asking those questions, and then you know helping them solve solve the problem. And you know, I say it all the time. I mean, give me a good problem solver over a good designer, you know, any day of the week, and that and that goes for you know, give me a good problem solver over a good salesperson. You know what I mean? Because the, the business or the business of, of design and strategy is just solving problems. I yeah. mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, right. You, you spend most of your time solving problems, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's where, that's where I create the most value I'd like to believe is in solving problems. They're not, they're not hiring yeah. me for my pretty face. I don't think. <laughs> my father no used to comment. Yeah, no my comment. father used to tell me I have a face for radio. So I guess I finally here we are in a podcast. If you knew about podcasting, you would have said you had a face for podcasting. But yeah, I, there you go. I mean, Your dad was right. Yeah, the the uh, the value proposition it really is about solving a problem. I mean, otherwise, why would you pay me? Well, right, and that's and that's really what design does, right? It it, it solves a problem. You know, of of communicating what that product does or what that brand means. I mean, you know, in in the end, that's all that design does. Because yeah. you know, if 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 you had this great product and you put it in a bottle, you know, uh, the problem is it can't it can't tell you what it can do. So you so that's that's the problem, right? Sure. It's an it's an sure. inanimate object that can enhance your life or make your life better, but it can't tell you. So, and and you know. our sales rep isn't going to stand in every Walmart at the shelf to try to pitch people on why they should pick up this bottle. So, you, so it's got to do its own selling somehow. And that's the, yeah. So your, right. your two things are, you love problem solving and relationship building. That's kind of where you tend to gravitate. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So in the, in the spirit of problem solving in your, your 20 plus year history, what's been the biggest problem that you've had to solve as an entrepreneur? Not so much your biggest client project, but just, you know, you've been through 9-11, you've been through the economic crash. I mean, what are some of the, what's the biggest challenge you had to overcome? Wow, that's a, that's a tough, tough question. I don't know. I, I think it's just, uh, you know, how to, I mean, you, you have to try and predict what's, what's going to happen, right? There's, a, there's an aspect of what we do that's like part fortune teller, part, part profit, right? But we all know there is no crystal ball. So, do you mean things like sales and cash flow, or what do you? Well, work? yeah, just just you know what when when is where's you the know, market just, going? Right, yeah, and, and nobody can predict the market. So you know you're 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 trying to predict the market, you know. And I've you know I've I've always tried to you know 
you know, I, I would I would say the the biggest challenge is, is trying to balance the the type of business. You know, it almost goes back to that category experience. If you're all in one category, like like if you were just heavily your your design firm did tech work and web work, we all know you got hurt. Yeah, when that tech bubble happened. Sure. So, you know, how do you how do you how do you keep variety within your within your company? How do you how do you keep that you know how do you keep those those people fresh and happy that are that are that are working for you? So, mm. you know, it's just it's just balancing that that business to be to be one 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 category gets hurt or, or or something takes takes a hit that there's other stuff to kind of you know take it yeah take it over and and you know and i'd i'd like to say you know i don't want to say that 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 it's the secret but you know being in the food business helps because no matter what happens people need to eat right <laughs> yeah so that, i mean yeah. that, that sounds cliche and actually my um first boss used to used to say that all the time too but but it but it but it is kind of kind of kind of true yeah. you know you know, I don't want to say I'm hoping for a recession because no, nobody is. But you know, being in packaging design and branding and and being involved in you know different different food categories, you know, you you tend to get busier in recession periods because they'll 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 cut advertising and they'll they'll go for you know what's my biggest bang for my buck. And if you know anything about the the ROI of packaging, you know if you if you have limited resources, you put it into packaging, you're going to get your biggest return. Um, and then they're competing for those same dollars. So, right. you know, you, you, you tend to see brands be redone, relaunched, re, repositioned in like economic downturns, which is counter counterintuitive, in, I guess, really, you know. It is until you explain it. As soon as you explain it, it makes sense to me. And in, in that shelving space probably becomes more competitive because you're not just trying to sell to the consumer you're trying to sell to the big box stores to say look put my product on your shelf and so if i'm doing some investing into my packaging it's easier for that buyer to say okay uh this this company's investing so we're going to give them that that show because if they squeeze me out then i don't even then i'm not even in the store i mean that's that's the real danger right if you were in if you were heavy into electronics uh design right you know People still need to eat, but they may not buy a, a, a new TV. So you can, you know, you right. can. You, you know, as you're saying, the, the biggest challenge was to make sure that you were diversified enough. I, I, I think you didn't use the word diversify, but that's how I understood it. To make right. sure that, yeah. Um, my initial thought was, okay, maybe it's tough to get out there and find new clients. But I realized as you were talking, the real danger is it's too easy not to look for new clients. It's not that you can't take your portfolio and land a new client. You can do that. You can jump into other categories if you know how to sell and and you do. I think the danger is you're getting you're getting sucked in like you talked about those really big brands. They're just keeping you so busy that you don't have the time uh, to go look and then on top it's like, "Well, why should I make a ton of money? I'll do it tomorrow." So there's not urgent. You're not feeling any pain. Until that one day when the bottom drops out of that market, and then you're thinking, why did I not diversify? So the danger is probably more in the fact that it's easy not to diversify versus it's hard to get out there and find new business. Well, 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 right. Because if if you just want to grow your business, you know, the easiest way to do it, I I guess according to scholars, right, um, <laughs> is, to, is, to, is to grow your existing clients. Yeah, marketing 101, sell more stuff to the right? same people, sure. Right. So, so I mean, that is, and, and I found that 
that that is that that's actually true. And you're right. It's it's the easy way because then you you quickly become you know more more reliant on that client or, or more dependent upon that category success. Mm-hmm. You know, so just just to keep it mixed. And to me, I just like like a, a variety. I mean, I I love when I'm working on something you know fun and candy based for Halloween, right? And then at the same time, I'm working on an automotive product. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and it, and I think it's that it's it's that changing gears that I don't know. Seem it feels disruptive at at the time, but it's also you know sometimes when I jump off the that that candy project and get on that automotive product, that's when the candy idea comes, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you're almost like your, your mind relaxes and focuses in a different way. And then you're like, wait, this is, this is a great idea over here. So what if, uh, if diversifying has been your biggest challenge and, uh, and I'm assuming maybe through some of the tough times in the economy, you felt a little bit of that more so than not. What, what are you most proud of? What accomplishment as an entrepreneur, uh, makes you feel the most uh happy with what you've accomplished so far well i mean right now it's what i'm doing now you know just the fact that i could that i could do it again right i mean i just i kind of thought i thought i could do it again but then you know you just human nature you just kind of question yourself like wow you know i could have just i could have just you know sat back and took the money and just rode off in into the sunset but that's not what I'm about. That's not what I want to want to do. So, you know, to set out and do it again and to have the support and the relationships around you to actually do that, you know, it's, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty cool to, you know, I imagine what, how much of your identity was wrapped up in the old business? I mean, I have to, that has to factor in too. When you talk about, I'm proud that I can do this again. Like when I shut my agency down, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in that agency and there was a part of me that was fearful like well will I who will I be after this will I matter does any will anybody care you know like there was just this weird kind of sense that I was going to be less than I was before did you wrestle with that at all oh yeah i mean i i i definitely doubted and and questioned those those things because you know i mean yeah, I wasn't doing the work necessarily all the time. It was it was my team doing doing the work, and I, and and I never went out there and pretended I was doing it all. Right? You know what I mean? If yeah. um, if I solved the problem in front of the client, they they knew it was solved. But I, there was never, or or I tried to do a good a good job of saying, you know, hey, the art director and, and the design team on this, you know, they hit a home home run here. So I I, I never claimed stuff I didn't do, but you know, to kind of go out and start over, like. Like how strong are my relationships, and, and and right, and how much of it is tied to that former company, and then, and then the whole time when I decided to start over, it was like you know I don't want to do, you know, insert that company's name 2.0. You know, I've right. so I'm going to do it different. Right. I I want to do it different, and then, you know, and then you're like, well, is different better? <laughs> so now you're two um, years in. Is is different better? Yeah, difference difference better. You know because. Part of what I realize now is, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? A little cliche to say, but you know, I know now I should have probably left five years ago, right? And uh, and I I now know how unhappy I actually was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when 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 you have a company and you know you own the building and you're trying to find ways to not go 
to your office in the building and the company you own, something's something's not not right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily the people. Like I, you know, for the most part, I loved everybody there. It just something something wasn't wasn't right. And but you know, change is hard. So it is. Yeah. How do you how do you start over? You know. And I think my experience as an owner. And I had a similar kind of, as you're describing this, you know, like you don't even want to go into the building. I, I, I've been there. Um, but I think as an owner, it's complicated. So as an employee, I think it's not easy either. But an employee, goes, I don't like this job, blah, blah, blah. They might stay longer than they should, but they can just, they can walk away usually. You know, unless like you're the CEO of the business. And But um, as a as a owner, it's tough because you've got employees that you're responsible. You're just tied in so many ways, these client relationships and banking relationships and legal kind of connections. And it's, you can't just one day decide I'm going to move on. Well, no, because, you know, even, even if you have partners, you're technically working for yourself, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then then it's like, you know, I, I kind of look in the mirror some days and go, you know, like, you are damaged goods. You cannot work for other people anymore. Like, you know, you can't. And that's what I'm like, you know, not that I, you know, just don't want people telling me what, what to do, but I, I don't know if I can, I can do that now. You know, what do you, what, like, what is your main driver for being an entrepreneur? Is it that, that need to be free? What is it that motivates you as, as a business owner? I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's building something that the whole team can be proud of and that they're excited to come, come to, to work. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we, you know, we just, we just had a, a like an agencies to watch spread in um, BXP magazine. Um, and, you know, I, there's, there's some quotes in there from some of the people that are, are, are working, you know, for, for force mm-hmm. and whether people are going to believe this or not. I just, I just emailed everybody and said, send me a quote that we could put in the article. And I didn't touch them, you know, and I didn't tell anybody what to say or how to say <laughs> you it. You didn't send out and, the and quotes and say, pick one to put your no, name to. <laughs> no, no. And, and, you know, and there That's was a difference because was... you're not a PR agency, right? You're a true design shop. <laughs> right, right. And, and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to get some good ones, some bad ones. And I'll just pick the ones that fit with, with the photography, right? It's kind of, you know, again, problem solving. I'll, I'll take the best one I got. I'll work it in the photo. You know, I'll handle it like I'm like this ad for force is my client, there you, you know, go. and, uh, you know, and, and, and then you get, get quotes where, where someone says something like, you know, I, ever since I'm working, you know, for, for force or with force, I don't like saying for, I don't like being called a boss either, but, you know, working, working with force, I haven't been late one time. And, and at first you're like, Oh, okay. That's just being it's funny. The honeymoon. But, yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it, but it isn't because it was, it was more about that, it, it it really means that they were that excited about it that that they don't want to you know what I mean they're they're trying to get here yeah to come in and do do the work and it really isn't about being timely it, it's more about that you know that they just love it so much that they don't want to be late you know and it sounds like as I'm listening to you this isn't because we get free pizza and the soda's always stocked it sounds more to me that they're excited about the work they're doing and the people they're doing it with. Well, I would, I would, I would hope so. You know, I mean, we, we kind of have a, a, a process. It's, it's not necessarily like a, like a, a written out process, but if we're looking at bringing somebody on, whether it be as a, as a, you know, bringing them on as an employee, or we just need a freelancer to work, work with us for 
a certain period of time. You know, we we um we'll just like go mobile is what we call it. So we'll we'll meet at a coffee shop. We'll all sit there and work. Um, and we make it a point to like we need to make this as messy as possible. Like make this as difficult for this new person. <laughs> and then say, hey, do you think you can work work with us? You know, um, because we we even though we have a have a home base now, so to speak. Whereas before, we were like this wandering band of gypsies. You know, yeah. we'd be at a craft brewery in the afternoon and a coffee shop in the in the morning. But once you get to seven or eight people, you know, they kind of look at you like you're taking over. Yeah, yeah, right. So there are still a couple places that when we show up, you know, it's like, hey, haven't seen you in about three four weeks, and you're like. Sorry, you know, but um, but I want to make sure we keep that mo- mobility aspect because that was that was fun, and that's how we had to work mm. in the very very beginning. Sure, um, but we we still kind of do it because then you know that that keeping the whole business aspect mobile when when someone has a personal situation or they have to work work from home, they're already set up to to do it. It's not like hey, we're going to get a you know bad snowstorm and I'm going to be snowed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have to take my stuff home. Everyone's already, you know. And you're doing a lot of client, mobile. like on-site client collaborations. It's not, the team sounds very fluid and flexible, but not um, detached. You're very connected at the same time, which is an interesting balance. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I hope we can can maintain that. I mean, my my initial vision was, you know, to have this studio in Lancaster and 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 to have the firm grow beyond what this space is. But basically, you kind of meet here in the morning say what we're going to do and people just disperse through the okay. throughout the, the the city. I don't know if that'll ever work that way, sure. but like in my head that would be like you know, yeah. kind of a super cool way to do it. And then you 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 send a text out, "Hey, we need everybody back at 3. We got a big project to go over." What's your what's your vision for the company? Like what what do you want to see happen ultimately? I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'm still trying to prove that this idea, this whole like mobility thing works mm, mm. so i mean so it's just an experiment yeah yeah and we we actually kind of say that a couple of us like hey so far the grand experiment's working yeah well you i know, know like some f- companies will say well we want to work with big brands you're already doing that i mean you guys list coca-cola evian you know you, you're am i saying that right evian evian how do you say evian water yeah evian yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a danger when you read something and don't say it. But um, right. you're already working with big brands. You've had a very successful career. You've started this thing up a couple years ago, and it's going gangbusters. Uh, so it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see where you take it. it. It kind of is a closing thought. If you were to talk either to a young Tom or a new entrepreneur now, somebody that wants to start their own business, through your years of experience, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Well, there's actually two, and one of them is relationships matter, um, and the other one is is you better love what you're doing because you're going to be doing it a long yeah, time. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, and I and I tell my my kids that all all the the time, and you know, and even designers that we talk to, or even or even students in the the packaging design class that I that, that I teach, I'm like, you know, if you're doing this design thing, you better love it. Like if you I mean, I mean, if you're already not passionate about it, you need to find something else because, you know, 
you haven't done this for a long time right, yet. Right, you know? <laughs> too, you're, too, you're too early in to not love what you're doing. What's a, if yeah. I go back to the relationship piece, because I think about how important relationships are for for graduating uh, students, whether they're you know whether the degrees in economics or design doesn't matter. You, you know, you really need relationships coming out of college. Think of somebody that wants to start a business. How important relationships are. What's what is something that someone at that level can do to start building relationships? Because their friend group right now consists of classmates and peers. How do they start meeting people like you or me? How, how do you encourage people to build those relationships? Well, I mean, I think for the most part, people in our business are are nice people, right? So. You know, reach out. Don't don't be afraid to to send somebody an email or 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 go and visit a printer or just you know don't be afraid to you know on a, on a on a contact form on a on, on a website like ask ask some some questions because you know there's you know I've I've always had you know the the idea of you know I want to form good relationships with those with those printers you know the people that produce the product sure. um, because you know we're all in it together i'm not just dumping on them and you know i don't want them dumping on me so i mean i think i think from the relationship side it's not don't just talk to designers you know talk to business owners talk talk to everybody that touches the business or is involved in the business so Mm. it's you know is it is it is it a bottle manufacturer is it a local chip manufacturer is it um a a printer, somebody makes packaging materials, a, a corrugated box supplier, because you just never know who they know or what they might be able to tell you. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you find that, you know, your sales rep for a local, you know, corrugated box supplier was a designer 20 years wow. ago mm-hmm. and fell in love with, with sales along the way. You know, you just, you just never know. It's excellent advice. My guest today has been Tom Newmaster, Tom, the founder of Force PKG. Check him out at forcepkg.com. Tom, thank you so much for participating and sharing your experience. I, I really appreciate it. Um, no, no problem, Mike. Any, anytime. Well, I, I might take you up. I'll have you come back sometime. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thanks. Thanks.